Well, good morning, 1030. Welcome to church, everyone. Those of you who are live in attendance, those of you who are watching online, we are so glad to have you guys with us for the fourth week of our Easter series called I Am Jesus in His Own Words. And if you're new here, if you're visiting us today, maybe it's your first time here, first time back in a while, I just want to let you guys know the pastor is not on drugs and claiming to be Jesus, so don't run away. What we're doing in this series is we're looking at these seven I am statements that Jesus made in the gospel of John. In the first week of this series, we saw that Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, and we learned that he loves us and he cares for us. On Palm Sunday, we discovered that Jesus is the vine and we're the branches. And if we stay connected in him, that we will start to bear good fruit in our lives. And then last week on Easter Sunday, we learned that the resurrection wasn't just an event that happened in history, but it's also a person. And that things don't stay dead when Jesus, the resurrection, enters their life. Today we're going to look at one of the most inspirational and I believe life-changing I am statements that Jesus made. And it's found in John chapter 8 verse 12. So if you have your Bible or Bible app with you, go ahead and turn to John chapter 8 verse 12. As always, we will also put verses up on the screens for you to look at. But as we've been doing in this series, let's read the Word of God together this morning. Let's read this I am statement from Jesus together. John 8, 12. Here's what Jesus said. Let's say it together, church. Here we go. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. If you follow Jesus, you will never walk in darkness, which is a good thing because darkness can be scary, right? Show of hands this morning, how many of you guys growing up, maybe you were afraid of the dark? Can I see a show of hands? Yeah, lots of us. Lots of us who were afraid of the dark. Same way with me. When I was a kid, all I needed was a nightlight baby, and I was good. You give me a nightlight, I was fine. I've got five kids. All of them were the same way. At bedtime, when they were younger, they wanted a little bit of light, and they also wanted the closet door shut all the way with a chair in front of it to barricade it. Because everybody who's ever seen Monsters, Inc., you know that if you close the closet door, you barricade it with a chair, then Randall can't get in, right? We all know that. We learned that, right? Sometimes in, in the middle of the night um, in, in my house, if, if the kids would, would wake up and they were scared and they heard a noise or something like that, I would, I would jump out of bed and grab my um, Star Wars lightsaber and run into their bedroom in my tidy whities to fight whatever monster was in there. Some of you think that was gross. Um, it is. That was my strategy to scare the monster away. I also taught my kids that it's very, very important. I digress a little bit, but I, I taught, taught my kids that you never fall asleep with a part of your body hanging off the bed, like your arm or your leg or anything like that, because if you do that, if there's a monster under the bed, it can reach up and it can grab you. And uh, some of you, you know, are, are getting a little bit worried. You're like, is that true, Pastor? No, it's not true. It's one of my irrational fears. I think I've shared this story before, but when I was a kid, I was at a friend's house for a sleepover, and I was just getting that good sleep. I was just starting to nod off, and I had my arm hanging off of the bed, and he thought it was funny to crawl under the bed with a monster rubber glove on, and he reached up and grabbed my arm, and uh, I peed the bed. And so to this day, to this day, wherever I travel, like if I go to a hotel room, the first thing I do when I walk in is I turn on the light and I look under the bed. Now, I just need to say, 
just to calm your fears, we get emails and stuff all the time here at church, um, spcnazarene at gmail.com, with you know, things for prayer requests and, and things like that. And I just want to calm your fears and let you know we have never had someone tell us that they lost a loved one because of the thing under the bed. We never got that email. Pastor, she had her arm hanging off the bed, and a green claw just came and grabbed her, and we never saw her again. Like, that's never happened, so you can breathe easy tonight. But a little bit of light changes everything. I mean, if you're scared of the darkness, a little bit of light can take away that fear. You put on a nightlight, and all of a sudden, darkness isn't as scary. And all through Scripture, you can see the light contrasted with darkness. In the beginning, God spoke, and what did he say? He said, let there be light. That's right. And he separated the darkness from the light and the day from the night. And all through the Bible, God himself is compared with light. And our spiritual enemy, Satan, is compared with darkness. In fact, Satan is called the prince of what? Darkness. That's right. There's contrast between light and darkness. In fact, Jesus said this to Saul. He contrasted light and darkness. He said this in Acts 26, verse 17 to 18. This is what Jesus said. He said, I am sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from what, church? From darkness to light, right? And from the power of Satan to God, so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith. In me. And then we saw in John 8, Jesus make this life-changing statement. He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. If you've grown up in church, um, you've probably heard that passage of Scripture before. But what I, I've kind of discovered is that most people don't know the context in where Jesus made that incredible I am statement. That statement actually came from Jesus after one of the most grace-filled stories in Scripture. In fact, some of you may be familiar with the story. It is known as the woman caught in adultery. It was right after the story, immediately following this story, that Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And so what I want to do today is I want to, I want to break down this story of the woman caught in adultery, and I'm going to break it down into three different parts to make it easier to digest. We're going to look at three parts today. We're going to look at the law, the love, and the light. The law, the love, and the light. I know it sounds like a bad soap opera, but that's what we're going to look at today. So if you're taking notes, the first part that we're going to unpack is this. Number one, the law reveals our guilt. The law reveals our guilt. John chapter 8, starting in verse 1, the story begins, and here's what it says. It says that Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. So what's going on here is Jesus is having a church service. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. Now, let's pause there for a moment and acknowledge what's going on in this story. Somehow, some of the teachers of the law, some of the Pharisees, these very self-righteous, legalistic, religious leaders, they caught a woman in the actual act of adultery. There weren't Facebook rumors. There weren't questionable text messages. It says she was caught red-handed. Now, one reading of this account has always kind of bothered me. If she was caught in the act of adultery, where was the man? That's a question I've always had. And this is, this is as true today as it was back then. If a guy hooks up with a bunch of women, he's called a stud. And if a woman sleeps with a bunch of guys, she's given another word that also begins with S and isn't anywhere near as flattering. It's a double standard. 
And so these religious leaders who probably set her up, they drag her out of the bedroom. Maybe she was able to grab a sheet. We don't really know. They drag her into public, into a church service, and they began to humiliate her beyond description. Without any shadow of a doubt, this is the darkest, most shame-filled, humiliating moment in this woman's entire life. Now, I don't know what your church background is or what your experiences were in church, but I think we can all agree this morning that when a naked lady is dragged into a church service, that's a crazy church service, right? And so they drag her in in front of Jesus. Verse 3, it continues, they make her stand before the group and said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commands us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? So these, these religious leaders, these godly men, bring her before Jesus, and they say, hey, the law says we should kill her. What do you think, Jesus? And this is obviously a trap, because if Jesus says, yes, let's kill her, they can say, see, he's not loving and compassionate at all. But if he says, hey, we should let her go, they're going to say he's a heretic. He's in violation of the law of Moses. He's a false prophet. And so the religious leaders wanted to trap him. And again, I believe they set this woman up to trap Jesus. And they're like, Jesus, what do you say about this? Now, again, Jesus is, is God in a bod. He's way too smart to get trapped by these guys. And so Jesus is going to do something very, very significant in a moment. But before we look at that, I don't want us to miss the main point, which is the law reveals our guilt. Now, we, we live in a world today that doesn't like to hear that. We don't like to admit guilt. In fact, one of the things that I often say as a pastor that gets the most pushback is when I say that we are not good people, but we are sinners. But wait a minute, Pastor AJ, I'm a pretty good person. Well, here's what you need to understand this morning, that in the eyes of a perfect, holy, righteous God, a God who is without sin, we are not good people. And the law reveals our guilt. In fact, just to illustrate and make sure that we're all on the same page and we understand how sinful we truly are, let's just go over this for a minute by looking at the Ten Commandments. And I'll ask you guys if you've ever broken any of these and, and try to be honest this morning because, again, lying is a sin. So let's begin here. Let's start with that first one. Show of hands this morning. How many of you in your life you've ever told a lie? Raise your hand. Can you lift them up? Hold them up high. Hold them up high. Look around the room. Anyone who doesn't have their hand raised, point to them and say, liar, liar, pants on fire for not having your hand raised this morning, okay? All right, let's try another one of these. How many of you have ever taken something that isn't yours? You've taken something that isn't yours. And I want to point this out as you guys are thinking about this. We're missing a lot of pens in this church. I just want to point that out to you, okay? Some of you have four of them in your purse right now. You're writing an offering check, and you're like, ooh, write smooth, throwing it in your bag, right? All right, here's another one. How many of you have ever taken God's name in vain? Every parent should lift a hand up right now this morning. Some of you on the way to church trying to get your kids out of the house. Now, I know here's one we don't like to admit, but how many of you have ever looked lustfully at someone? Raise your hand. Some of the guys are like not sure right now. Some of the dudes are lying this morning. Honey, I only have eyes for you. When I was looking at her, I was just giving God glory. I was saying, God, glory to God for making that. You did a good job with that, God. That's all I was saying. I wasn't looking lustfully. So all of us can kind of say these things. So let's break this down this morning and let's call it what it is. If you've told a lie in your life, that would make you a what? A liar. That's right. If you've taken something that wasn't yours, that would make you a what? 
a thief. If you've taken God's name in vain, that's called blasphemy. You're a blasphemer. And according to Jesus, if you've ever looked lustfully at someone, you've committed adultery in your heart. You're an adulterer. So in other words, you're a lying, thieving, blasphemous adulterer. Welcome to South Portland Church, where our goal is to preach a feel-good message each week to help you embrace your identity, right? We're sinners. We're all sinners. And, and why is it so important for us to recognize that? Because, see, until we see ourselves as sinners, we will never see our need for a Savior. Someone needs to tweet that. That was good preaching this morning, okay? Until we see ourselves as a sinner, we will never see our need for a Savior. The law reveals our guilt. And if the story ended right there, it would be terrible. We'd be doomed. But the good news is it doesn't stop with the law. The law may reveal our guilt, but if you're taking notes, number two is this. The love reveals God's grace. The love reveals God's grace. The law reveals our guilt, but the love reveals God's grace. And we see this through Jesus' response, picking up in verse 6. This is what he says, but Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. I mean, this is crazy. They're like, Jesus, do we kill her or not? And he completely ignores them. He doesn't answer the question. Instead, he kneels down and he starts to write in the dirt, it says, with his finger. I always kind of wondered which finger he used. Don't don't judge me. That's my jacked up mind. I read the Bible different than some people. But they keep pressing him. Verse 7, it continues. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and he said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Now, what did he write? I mean, the answer is we don't know for sure. But I believe that he may have started writing down the sins of each of those religious leaders who were there that morning. Since Jesus was, was God in the flesh and, and he obviously knew everything, it's quite possible he started listing the sins of these religious men who were accusing this woman. And as, as he does this, he says, hey, any of you who've never done anything wrong, pick up a stone and throw it at her. And Jesus is going after something here that I think is really, really important because these religious, judgmental, arrogant guys had the same problem that many of us have at one point or another, and that is that it's incredibly easy for us to point out and see the sins of others while failing to see our own personal sin. Isn't that true? It's so easy to point out, well, she's doing that, and he's doing this, and why are they wearing that, and why would they do that? And it's a lot harder to look in the mirror and see what's going on in our own lives. We fail to notice our own sinfulness and our need for grace. Verse 9, at this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. And as he's writing on the ground, one by one, these men, they start to walk away. The older ones first. Why did the older ones leave first? I don't know. Maybe because they were older and they knew all the sins that they had committed in their life. And they're like, I don't like where this is going. I think he just wrote something about me right there. I'm out of here. And so Jesus and this sinful woman who was caught in the act of adultery are now the only ones left. Picking up in verse 10, Jesus straightened up and, and he asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. And then Jesus looks at this, this broken, humiliated woman, and he speaks some of the most grace-filled, loving words in the history of the world. 
He says, then neither do I condemn you. You know, I think there's somebody who might be here this morning or watching online, and you're in a little bit of darkness in your life. You have some shame, some agony over what you did or who you think you are. And I think you just needed to hear that from Jesus this morning. Because you need to know that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Because his grace changes everything. You are not what you did. You are not what they say you are. You are who God says you are. And because of his grace, if you are in Christ, there is no condemnation. Now, don't get me wrong. There is an accuser. His name is Satan. Revelation 12 calls him the accuser. And you can count on it that he's going to hurl insults and accusations at you throughout your life. Some of you know that voice well, just like I do. It's that voice in our head, that critical voice that says, I know what you did. God could never love you. I know how bad you messed up. He could never forgive you. After all you've done, you could never make a difference in this world. If people only knew the stuff that you've done, it's that voice of the accuser. But I just want you to know that is the voice of the accuser. That is not the voice of your Savior. Sometimes when the enemy tries to put the focus on my past and that stinking thinking goes into my mind, sometimes verbally I just need to shout out, get behind me, Satan. My sins are covered by the blood of the Lamb. I'm in my car sometimes shouting that out. Get behind me, Satan. My sins are covered by the blood of Jesus. I'm walking through Walmart at South Portland screaming, get behind me, Satan. My sins are covered by the blood of Jesus. People look at me. I'm like, I'm sorry, I wasn't talking to you. I was talking to the devil. And then they run away from me. But I shout it out over and over again. The accuser condemns you for the darkness of your past. The voice of the Savior says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. Where are your accusers? I will send them all away. Neither do I condemn you, for there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Darkness never defeats the light. Now, was the woman guilty? Yes. Yes, she was. Did she deserve punishment? Yes. Yes, she did. But it was because of his love that grace was revealed. She deserved punishment, but he didn't give it. Because of his love, there was grace. You're guilty. I'm guilty. We're all guilty. We're incredibly sinful and guilty in the eyes of a holy God. Don't ever miss that. Because again, until we see ourselves as sinners, we'll never recognize our need for a Savior. The law reveals our guilt, but God's love reveals his grace. And he looks on this broken woman who's filled with shame and guilt, and he drives all of her condemners away, and he says, where are they now? Neither do I condemn you. And then what does he say next? Does he say, okay, now you're forgiven. Go ahead and keep on sinning. No, he doesn't do that, right? Does he say, look, I know you got daddy issues from when you were a little girl and your whole life you've been looking for love in all the wrong places, and so I know this is just who you are, but try not to, you know, commit adultery next time. No, he doesn't do that. And he, and he does the same thing for us with our own darkness. He doesn't say, hey, hey, guy, you know, I, I forgive you for lusting after pornography, but you're probably going to do it again because you're a guy. That's okay. He doesn't say that. If you struggle with gossip and negativity, he doesn't say, you know what, that's just who you are. You're just a negative person, but try to tone it down around the holidays so you don't bring everyone else down. 
No, what does he say to the woman? He says the same thing that he says to us. He looks at her in verse 10, and he says this, Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. He says, go now, leave your life of sin. There's a sense of urgency in his words there. Go now, not later, right now. Do it immediately. He says, you can be free. You don't have to live in darkness anymore. Why? Because the light always overwhelms the darkness. The law reveals our guilt. The love reveals God's grace. And lastly, number three, if you're taking notes, is this. Here's where we're going to end today. Number three, the light reveals our hope. The light reveals our hope. Don't miss this. In verse 11, the verse right before this big I am statement where Jesus says, I am the light of the world, he says, go now and leave your life of sin. And I used to think he was kind of being preachy with her. He was saying, hey, I forgive you, but cut it out. Stop sinning. But that, that wasn't what Jesus was doing at all. And the reason we know this is because in the very next verse, he shows us that he was encouraging her. He says, hey, you don't have to live like this anymore. You don't have to be trapped in darkness and sin. You can have victory over sin in your life. You don't have to live with self-condemnation and self-hatred of your own bad decisions. You can be different. Go now and sin no more. Why? The very next verse reveals it. When Jesus spoke again, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Check this out. When Jesus looked at her and he said, neither do I condemn you, at that moment, he was no longer just the light of the world. He was the light of her world. And in the very same way, when you personalize this message, he will no longer just be the light of the world for you. He will be the light of your world. And when he becomes the light of your world, that changes everything because the darkness never defeats the light. And the good news is that God is not a far away, detached, distant, uncaring, and unpersonal God. No, he longs for a personal relationship with you. He longs to be your personal light. And when you know that, you will receive freedom from all the condemning voices of the world. And when you allow him to be the light of your life, when you allow him to say, God, I want you to be in every area. You can have first place. I am all in with you. You can actually have victory over darkness and sin in your life as you pursue living a sanctified life. The law reveals our guilt. The love reveals God's grace, and his light reveals our hope that no matter how dark your world seems right now, in an instant, he can illuminate the darkness, and his grace can forgive you of your sins and give you freedom from your sins and bring healing to your shame. And you will never, ever be the same again when the light of the world becomes the light of your world. When that happens, church, you never, ever have to walk in darkness again. Can we pray this morning with heads bowed, eyes closed? Heavenly Father, I, I pray today that that your Holy Spirit would begin to do a healing work in our hearts. That we would be different, God. Why? Because, because we encountered you. Changed people change. I, I know there are some here today, and maybe, maybe your world is dark right now. 
It may be an area of sin you're struggling with. It may be something from your past that just haunts you and you can't get it out of your mind. And you feel ashamed and guilty and condemned. Maybe there are these negative voices, these stinking thoughts in your brain that just attack you and just weigh you down. But hear the truth of God today. You are not who they say you are. You are who God says you are. And there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Some of you right now, you just need some hope and encouragement. You need God's presence. You need his grace. You need a little bit of light because a little bit of light can bring an awful lot of hope. Those of you who would say, you know, one way or another, you know, Pastor, I, I believe in Jesus, I love Jesus, but my world is, is dark right now. I need a little bit of light in my world. I need Jesus to become the light of my world. I need his presence, his love, his grace, his hope. I need, I need him to fill me, to, 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 just really, to just really have first place in everything. I need to go all in with him. If that's you this morning, would you just lift up a hand in faith and say, that's me. I need to be filled with his light. Praise God. So many hands up this morning. Praise the Lord. I just want to encourage you. God, I thank you for those today here in attendance who just raised a hand, those watching online at home who just lifted a hand, whose hearts are sensitive to you and who need your presence. God, I thank you that you already know the details of their life. You know every single situation, Father God. And God, you are so good and so big that you can minister even in this moment to each person here. God, I pray for those who are in bondage to the accusation of the enemy. I, I pray that the voice of your son, Jesus, would overwhelm the voice of the prince of darkness, that the light of the world would crush the darkness in their lives. God, I pray for those who have not yet forgiven themselves, that they would see because you have forgiven them, that they can forgive themselves and they can walk out of darkness and into the light. God, that by your power, they can leave their life of sin and they can have victory and freedom over the darkness, living in the glory of your light. As we keep praying this morning, there are those of you who might be like, you know, for so, so many years of your life, you might be like how I've been for many years of my life, where, where I just kind of was caught in this trap where I, I just wondered what my standing was with God. And I used to think I've done so many bad things. How could God ever forgive me? And so I would just try harder and harder and harder to be good enough. And I tried to stop doing bad things and tried to start doing right things. And, and it was like a roller coaster ride and it just didn't seem to work. I didn't realize that the problem was that I was a sinner trying to live a righteous life on my own. And a sinner on their own can't live a righteous life. I mean, I tried to please God with my own effort and, and I was never good enough. I thought being a Christian was about following a list of do's and don'ts and, and my faith really became more about religion than about a relationship with God. But the truth is we're not good enough on our own. See, I, I didn't realize that becoming a follower of Jesus was about having a personal love relationship with the God of the universe. And that if I went all in with him, if I allowed the light of the world to fill up my life, then I would never have to walk in darkness again. See, because of his grace, Jesus took the punishment. He bore the punishment of our sins upon himself. He died on the cross for us. And he rose again so that whoever calls on his name, 
whoever. That includes me and it includes you. Whoever calls on his name, no matter how dark your world is, when you call on him, you will be forgiven and set free. In fact, I think that's the very reason why some of you are, are a part of this service today. You know in your heart of hearts that it's your time to call on him. And when you do, you will be transformed. The light will overwhelm the darkness. So if that's you today, if you would say, yes, pastor, that's me. I know I need his grace. I need his mercy. I need his light. Maybe I've just been following religion. I need a relationship today with Jesus. I need Jesus to be my Lord and my Savior. I want to give my life to him. If that's your prayer this morning, would you have five seconds of incredible courage and would you just lift up a hand and say, that's me, Pastor. Would you pray for me this morning? Praise God, I see that. Praise God, I see that as well. Is there anybody else? I don't want to let this moment slip. Is there anybody else? Maybe you've been, you've been going through the motions with religion and you need a relationship with a Savior. You need Jesus. Is there anybody else this morning? Praise God. I want to pray for you guys. And those of you who are brothers and sisters in Christ, you can pray along as well. There's nothing magical about this prayer. Just as a way to communicate what God is speaking to you right now in your mind and your heart. Even if you were afraid to lift a hand this morning and your heart is just pounding in your chest right now, God knows. He hears you. You can speak to him right now and you can pray. Would you pray, Heavenly Father? Forgive me of my sins. I am a sinner. God, make me brand new. Jesus, I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again so I could live for you. And this Sunday, April 11th, 2021, I want to transfer my faith off of myself and what I do onto my Savior, Jesus and what he's done for me. God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for meeting me right where I'm at. Jesus, you are my light. Help me to never walk in darkness again. Thank you for new life. Today, Jesus, I give you mine completely. I love you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Church, can we celebrate decisions made this morning? Praise God. Let's stand together as we continue to sing and celebrate what God is doing. Thank you. 
Heavenly Father, I pray blessings upon these, your people, today. God, I pray that, as always, you would give us the, the wisdom to know what to do with what we've heard today, and that you would give us the courage to take action and do something about it. God, we thank you for your son, Jesus, and this incredible account of the woman caught in adultery. God, would you remind us that the law reveals our guilt, that we are sinners separated from a holy, perfect, righteous God, but the love reveals your grace, that you wouldn't let that stand, that you sent your son to die for us because you love us and because you want a personal relationship with us, and that the light reveals our hope, that we do not have to be people who are prisoners to our sin and prisoners to the darkness, but that we can be filled with the light of Jesus and that we can have victory over sin and victory over darkness in our life. God, we love you. We thank you for being the amazing God you are that offers us such incredible, incredible hope 
to have a greater life in you. We love you. We give you all the glory, honor, and praise today. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. I hope you have an awesome week. I want to remind you, if you consider yourself an owner here, um, we would love for you to take part in our elections out in the lobby. And as you uh, exit, exit through the right doors. Please practice social distancing as well on your way out. God bless. All my life you have been